one there it is right on time what up ladies and gentlemen it's friday and today we're gonna talk about all kinds of stuff but scaling your business while avoiding the classic bullshit that's what he says so that's what we're gonna talk about thank you for listening to the business bros podcast are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz. So there's a first time for everything where you hit the outro video in the intro. <laughs> Did I do that or do? Because I like it. I went to click it, and uh, oh, I guess oh, not clicking dude. it now. It must have been my bad. You know what? It's a backwards Friday. We're just gonna roll with it. Here we go, ladies and gents. Podcast guys, what's up with that? <laughs> right. This is my first hundred or five hundred and twenty-sixth <laughs> podcast. This you is know what I've ever done a five hundred twenty-six one. All right. I was just listening to it like, all right, yeah, that's cool. We hear this yeah. all the time. Wait, where's the welcome to another? What just happened? We weren't able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Such is life, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Man. Everyone makes mistakes. James, drop the fire intro. Here we go. Well, it is a scorcher here in San Diego. And just because of that mistake, I am already. And it is about to be a fire episode here on the business block today. His guest is the author of the book, FQ, Financial Intelligence, and he's built his name as a professional coach for entrepreneurs and business owners to teach them how to improve their financial IQ. Get it, FQ? Huh? All right. Our guest today knows what it takes to build and scale business, having built more than half a dozen of his own successful companies. He knows that young entrepreneurs often need to get out of their own way, and he wants to help you solve the most vexing problem and help you level up your company. If you're ready to work one-on-one with a published author and be held accountable while you create lifelong financial plan, listen in and learn from one of the best. Joining us from Das Knowledge and Das Real Knowledge right there, welcome yeah. to the show, Henry Das! Ready to rock and roll? How do you like that, Henry? Aside from getting the outro as the intro, how'd you like the how'd you like the fire intro? I love the fire. Wow, I gotta tell you, I've been doing a lot of podcasts since the uh, since the COVID because I got a, <laughs> I got a little extra time on my hands. That's the best one. Oh yeah, nice. Well, thank you. you. That's what we strive for. We want to have some fun Kudos, on the show, all man. around. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, and now with that, now we can play the intro as the outro. All right, let's cut out of here. <laughs> you know, we'll do that at the end. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll do we that. We'll idea. do that. We gotta we gotta be we gotta be different today. Henry, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for taking time to be on the podcast today, man. I'm I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Uh, far too often, uh, we fall into this trap where we have this idea that we want to get into business. Um, I'm tired of working for this guy that's telling me what to do every day from nine to five. I can do it better than him. I can do it for more money. I'm so technically skilled. I got it down pat. I go out there and I do it myself and I realize, man, this sucks. (laughs) 
what, what, what as I that? like to say, right? You go out and then <laughs> splat. Exactly. Right? You just you just fall face first into the sidewalk, right? Oh, right. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Happen. Now you opened your mouth to everybody that you can do it better. And so you got to get off your, your you got to mm. scrape your face off that sidewalk and uh -huh. keep going like nothing happened. Like you actually enjoy yeah. doing like what I you're meant doing. to do that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yep. One of those one of those little cartoons. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so how at what point does an entrepreneur realize that they actually don't have a business? They have made their own job. And then what do we yep. do to get them out of that? Right. So there's a massive disconnect between a business and a money making venture. Right. Mm. So that's what people do. Um, I classify them kind of two two ways because I'm actually besides writing my FQ book, shameless plug for that, I'm writing a, a business book right now. Um, and so I talk about two different paths. One is the what I'll call the accidental business, right? That's the one some people uh, shine that up and call it opportunistic, right? So we'll call it an opportunistic business. My first business 30 years ago, opportunistic business. College friend of mine said, I need some computers. I'm having a, a, a hard time sourcing them for my clients. It's like, dude, let me take a crack at it. And 18 months later and $600,000 worth of business, I quit my day job and said, I got a real business here. But I didn't go into the with the intention of starting a business. It was low-hanging fruit. You're ha handing me sales, and I was working a day job. I was able to do it as a side hustle test it out. And then once it achieved critical mass, I was able to do that. Right. That's a but necessity. classic entrepreneurial story. It, it's, right? it's almost a necessity. James and I have a very, very similar story. I mean, mm -hmm. our first business was computer repair and that's because he got fired <laughs> from a, from a cable company installing <laughs> high speed internet for rolling right. his truck. Right. Necessity um, is the mother of innovation. All right. Right. Yeah, and, and we had to pay a mother, mortgage. No doubt about it. It's a mother for sure. <laughs> we had to pay a mortgage. So to solve the problem of paying the mortgage, we're like, you're already doing this. Let's just go hand out flyers and kind of, you know, do the same thing. And it turned itself into a business yeah, opportunistic. It did. It, it morphed into it. But you didn't know anything about how to set it up. You didn't know anything about hiring people. You didn't know anything about cash flow, right? You didn't know, oh, wait a second. What's net 30? Uh, what's uh, net 10? Wait, you're not going to give me cash right now? Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was cash? talking to somebody yeah. on another podcast about how many small business owners run their business out of their bank account. Yeah. It's like, do you understand this concept of payables and receivables and cash flow and income statements and their eyes glaze over? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to do that. I look at my bank account and if there's money in it, it means I must be making money. Yeah. That's like, how we operated, except yeah, we went no. one step further and we're like, if there's money in the cash register at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. we're good. We have, yeah. we have <laughs> money to eat. Store? Right? What is it? We're going to go next door and get some Chinese food. Yeah, right. That's that, it. No, that's, that's, that's not a uh, prescription for long-term success. You can get by on that for a little while until you figure it out. Uh, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, bad word. Um, many people will make a bunch of really dumb mistakes when they start their business, right? Mm -hmm. They'll extend credit to somebody. I did it. In my business, my first business, I extended fifty thousand dollars worth of credit to a big two billion dollar company, and five minutes later they went bankrupt, right? <laughs> and left me holding the bag. Um, that was a very expensive business lesson 
that I learned pretty early on, right? So be careful who you loan money to, right? Because anytime you give somebody terms and credit, you're loaning them money, right? Yeah, there. Yeah, and and you may not have the cushion to survive that. That billion dollar company could, you know, may very well have just been able to pay you off with some assets and no big deal. It's just you're so small. Who cares? I had to wait in line, and uh, and and the funny thing was, our lawyers were the same lawyers representing them. They said, <laughs> they said, "Well, we can't talk to you, but here's what you should do." But you didn't hear it from <laughs> us, and we did that. And three years later, we got every nickel, so we were able to engineer our way around it. Um, but I gotta tell you, I felt like someone had kicked me in the stomach. I left the office to and went over to Union Square in Manhattan, a couple blocks from our office. And I screamed bloody murder at the guy who did the deal. And the poor guy was like, you know what? I really feel bad, but I'm worried about my job. My company just went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. So I can't really blame him. Right? It was our did, fault. Did, no, it's, it's, it, that's one, you know, that line right there, it's our fault. That line right mm-hmm. there is something that many people, and not just in business, just in life, we are so quick that when something goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault, right? Like, you know, that, that whole story of, of James and I in our first business for many years, I told the story that, you know, he joined the Navy and left and that's why our business went under. And that's just not the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth is I was partying. I didn't pay attention to business and like a business. I treated it like a piggy bank. I never really took the time to develop any systems or put anything in place. Mm-hmm. The business failed because I failed the business. Right. And, and we don't take that account, that kind of accountability. We continuously point the finger at everything else that's happening to us. When, if we look introspectively at our own mistakes, we could actually solve problems. Yeah. It's, um, it's the essence of really being a coach. Again, another shameless plug plug for, um, for coaching, but it really is. You need, you can't see yourself in the mirror, right? You want to take responsibility, but it, it, it's very painful and it's very hurtful. And when you're in a partnership and I was in a partnership, at the beginning, it gets even tougher. So having a having an outside party that can kind of give you a little bit of a reality check here, um, is it serving you to beat yourself up or to shirk responsibility, right? Because many entrepreneurs will go through iterations of entrepreneurship, right? Like mm-hmm. I said, I've had five, six, seven different businesses. Some of them done spectacularly well. One in particular was an epic fail. So I've seen it on both sides. Um, the important thing is you pick yourself up, you learn your lessons, you try not to learn them a second time or a third time or a fourth time, <laughs> right? Try to learn them, right? It's like, I don't want to make those old dusty old mistakes. I want to make all new ones, right? Yeah, and you really do. Cause you're going to constantly make mistakes. That's fine. You just don't want to make a mistake that's so big that it just kills your business. Yeah. Yeah. Fatality. <laughs> so I'm just Fatal thinking. Blow, right. <laughs> well, yeah. but we, but making mistakes ever since we were little kids has been looked at as a bad thing, right? I mean, I'm, I I teach high school. Mm -hmm. I know that when I fail a class, that is horrible. It's horrible at school because I get a bad mark or bad grade. It's, it's, it's horrible at home because my parents look down on me. Right. And I'm like, I I'm, I'm a failure. I'm letting them down in some way. Failure is a bad thing. Then I go out in the real world and I'm like, well, I don't want to fail. So what do we do? We don't even try. We don't take that step because we're so afraid of failure. We're so afraid of that rejection. We're so afraid of what it's going to make us look like that we don't actually take that small leap. And that I think is one of the, one of the things that holds us back as entrepreneurs. We took a leap and we've established ourselves. We talked earlier about, you know, hitting your, you know, face planting on the concrete. Well, 
in entrepreneurship, you have to get comfortable with making mistakes. You don't want to make the same ones over and over again, but like you said, you want to make new ones. You want to take your business to that next level. You want to try that next system. You want to hire that next person. And it does require the fact that, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is you don't know what you're doing until you give it a shot. No, I, I, I agree. I don't want to focus too much on the failure because then it's like, we'll go down that rabbit hole because there are a lot of positive things that can be brought out of business. Um, uh, I will say that something is only a failure if you didn't learn from it, mm -hmm. right? So it's the important <clears throat> thing is what are the lessons? What are the takeaways? Right now I sound like a, like a boomer, like a 61 year old boomer. Um, <laughs> I was actually just reminded of something. I remember my oldest son who's uh, 28, but when he was in high school, we got called in the bio teacher because he wasn't doing well in biology and this and that and the other thing. And I looked at her, I finally looked at her and I said, did you ever consider that maybe he sucks at biology? The look <laughs> on her face, like no parent has ever said that, but I'm like, it just may not be his thing. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's a requirement. Let him get through it. Okay. Sometimes that's, that's sometimes that's just as good as it's going to be. But that's being honest with yourself. Like, what's wrong with saying this is not my cup of tea, right? This is not sure. what I like to do. There, it's saying you know it, it, modalities, learning modalities. We all learn in different ways. We all have different strengths, and we all have different uh, intelligences, right? I mean, just because I don't have a a traditional IQ like you know an Einstein type IQ where I can take you know academics you and take it to a whole new level, right? <laughs> exactly. Doesn't mean that I don't have. Uh, yeah, maybe I have emotional intelligence. Maybe sure. I'm, maybe I'm better maybe at music. Maybe I have right. creativity, right? There's other things that we can sure. use. And those things, uh, if, if fine tuned can be huge assets for entrepreneurs. Um, I went to see a guy named, uh, Dan Sullivan many, many years ago, the strategic coach. He's a big, you know, muckety muck coach. If you search coaching on the web, you'll, you'll find him. Um, and he said something that I love that I've quoted many, many times. He said, if you spend a lot of time working on your weaknesses, what you end up with is a bunch of really strong weaknesses. Right? Mm. So you as an entrepreneur, you're going to look at it. So for instance, in my book, my book is called Codfish, right? It's got a weird name. And Codfish stands for customer support, operations, finance, infrastructure, sales and marketing. Uh, let me see. Wait a second. Oh, I forgot development. D is for development. Uh, F is for finance. I is for infrastructure, IT. S is for sales and marketing. H is for HR right? Human resource. These seven silos, every business operates with these seven silos. Even if you're a solopreneur, you just may be doing all of them, right? Mm -hmm. There aren't eight, there aren't six. Trust me. I vetted this out over the last several years <laughs> with my coaching clients and said, find me some. Every once in a while, I had a couple of weeks ago, one of my clients said, I found something that doesn't fit your codfish model. And I'm like, nah, 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 that goes in development. They're very distinct. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I wasn't. I, I can group it wherever I want. She, she's like, well, I disagree, <laughs> but we'll put it in development if that's what you think. Um, some of those are going to be in your core competencies, right? I'm a finance guy. So the money side of things, really, really easy. My first business was born out of the customer support um, uh, silo, right? I was supporting these people. They, they, they could have bought their computers from computer land. Again, I'm dating myself. This is 30 years ago. Um, any one of the big box stores, why buy it from me? Right? Because of me, because I'm going to support you and they're not. You're just a number <laughs> with them, right? They're doing millions and millions of boxes. I'm doing like 14 of them. So you're you as a client are super important to me. So I'm going to give you a level of support that you are not going to get 
from these other guys. But then you ask yourself, how do I scale that? Right. Well, that's yeah, and 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 you know when you're talking about the the different silos, you know my background is is in accounting and you know in taxes that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not necessarily that I love to do those things. The truth of the matter is, I went in, I went off and got that degree because that is the area that I was weakest in, and now I'm 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 very familiar with a lot of these topics, right? I can speak finance, I can speak accounting, I can speak insurance, I can speak real estate, but. I understand the value of getting somebody who lives in that space. Sure. Right. And, and yeah. grabbing somebody, the, the only difference is when that person is excelling at that silo, that piece of the business that I need them to excel at, when I communicate with them, I can speak the same language. And that brings to me, that's, that's a, a huge value in being able to run the ship. If I can speak to the different areas of my business in their language. No, that that's important, but there are some parts of your business where you're just not going to be fluent in it, right? Mm-hmm. But you still got to be able to manage these people because you're not going to be able to master every discipline, right? If I'm hiring somebody to do SEO, search engine optimization for my website, right? I'm not going to go in there and 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 figure out all the nuts and bolts of SEO. Right. I'm going to learn a couple of buzzwords and a couple of key things, but otherwise I'm hiring the guy or the gal, right? Yep. Because- yep. Because we don't hire necessarily for skills. We want people to be able to do the job. But if anybody who's ever watched Shark Tank knows, guys come on with brilliant ideas. You're looking and it's like, oh my God, this is a brilliant idea. Everybody's going to invest. But nobody likes the guy because he's flaky or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're investing in the person, not the idea. Other guys come on and their idea is total junk and people are throwing money at them right? Because we invest in people, not ideas, right? The oh, customers absolutely. are the same way, right? They're looking at you as a solopreneur, as a small business. What do you, Henry, what do I bring to the table? I'm a solopreneur. They're hiring me, right? That's, that's what it is. What do I bring to the table? The How problem- am I going to make them feel? Right. But the problem with that is, let's use a real estate agent, for example. When you hire a real estate agent, you're not hiring their brokerage, you're hiring that agent. And if that agent get, provides you a quality service, then more people are going to want to have that quality service. You're going to get more referrals and that, that agent's business is going to grow. Problem is at some point that agent is going to be like, all right, it's time to retire. I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I need to go, you know, live my best life. It's time to sell my business. You don't have a business no, because people want you. They don't want your business. You have nothing of value to sell because you can't sell yourself. You can clone what you do and and be able to sell that to anybody else. That's where I think a lot of people have a problem and they don't figure it out till it's 20 years, 30 years down the road or worse, five years and they're burnt out. Well, how, how would you tackle that problem? So that's a great, that's a great scenario right there, right? So you're the solopreneur. You got a nice book of business, right? Got a little franchise going. And now you've been doing it and you say to yourself, okay, my exit strategy is in five years, I want to go to Shady Acres and play golf every day or whatever. But I've got this nice little business. Isn't it a shame to just sort of throw it on the scrap heap? So what do you do? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what I've been doing personally. Uh, I start to really take account of the things that I do on a daily basis, right? What is it that I do in my business that 
I am responsible for doing myself. Okay. Once I can account for my own uh, actions, then I can then I can start documenting what that process is. And once I know what that process is, I can replace myself doing it with somebody with with a person, a system in place that I can put a person into. Right. So that's like I'm reminded of the McDonald's. That's a McDonald's, you know, uh, model. Like yes. Fries go in for seven minutes, not six minutes and 59 seconds, not seven minutes and, and one second. Right. A high schooler can do that. So you write up an SOP and they can follow it. How many businesses run that way? That's a good question. Not well, a lot. Only, only the masterly efficient ones, right? Oh, I was going to no. say only the businesses run that way. How many solopreneurs run that way? That's the real question. Most solopreneurs keep all the documentation in their head. But what you mm -hmm. have there is a very, very, um, very astute observation. Sit down and write these SOPs. Write a runbook for your business, right? But what I'm really driving at and looking at that even further is saying groom a successor, right? Mm -hmm. Bring in somebody, let them work hand in hand with you. Preferably somebody who's 20 years younger, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Someone who's got a little bit of experience and a longer runway than you. And I know people who've, who've done that, people in the insurance business, people in the real estate business, they groom somebody to take over for them. They built a plan where they could actually buy out the franchise because I've bought and sold real estate and the, the best real estate brokers that I've dealt with, their core value that they brought to the table was their book of clients. They were sales and marketing people, people, people people, persons, whatever you might want to call it. That was their value, right? They had at their beck and call a huge network of potential buyers. Again, I was on the seller side of this uh, that they could bring to the table. I lost a friendship over this actually, because I didn't hire a friend because I didn't feel that she had the people who could buy our property when we sold the property 10 years ago. So I hired somebody else. She sold it at the asking price this is in 2010 during the worst housing market in the history of mankind. And she sold it before the brokers open house because she had the buyers and that's magic, right? It's, it's about that building that database. Yeah. Right. Building those mean, relationships, right? those databases, you know, uh, and, and that's one of the mistakes again, going back to those very first businesses, what that's one of the mistakes we, we, we made very young, not cultivating a database, not having a list of contacts, sure. not retargeting them and sending them, you know, back then it was, you know, penny savers and, and mailers and door hangers, sure. uh, you know, <laughs> oh, good internet was, times. yeah, oh, was, you're, you're really bringing me back. That's like when they had the yellow boxes <laughs> on the, uh, before 9-11 on the street corners in New York. For, yeah, yeah. Yellow well, pages. They had these big right. fat books yellow with a bunch pages. of contact yeah. information in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Oh so, man, yeah. all of that but good it, stuff. It was a little bit different time, but but the, the same concept remains. It's same still thing. gathering you know contact information, getting in front of your clients, letting them know that you still exist, that you have a potential for you know future information, bringing value on a regular basis, mm -hmm. and then notifying them when you do have something of value, right? And and being able to do that on a consistent basis growing it over time. When you first start, that's the reason why that rookie that's getting into the business can't generate a single referral because he has no network of people yet versus the 20 year guy who's been building a network for the last 20 years. Seems like all the business just comes to him because he's been building a network and working at it for so long. Well, he's also been doing it in stealth mode, right? Because we've all met the people who 
do what I call the show up and throw up, right? I've been to a million networking events. I belong to probably 15 different networking groups. And everybody's throwing business cards at you and doing this and doing that. If you work on social networks, LinkedIn or co-founders or any of those things, people connect to you, they count to 100, and then they pitch you on their business. It's like, dude, that's no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. right? We got we to gotta see whether we're simpatico. Give me something of value, right? Even if it's just a link to a, I sent a, at a new connection on LinkedIn. Um, uh, and he's a, a VC type, angel type. So I sent him a link on an article about Amazon that I thought was really interesting. And I said, okay, this, this is, you know, we're just starting our conversation. Here's something I think is interesting. Send me something back in return. Of course, I haven't gotten anything back in return. So he probably doesn't like me. <laughs> um, but but that's a different that's a different mo right this is this is one of those things okay, so podcasting for me has been that networking tool right mm -hmm. and and the sure. the reason why i tell people especially today with such ease of creating your own podcast it's been the best prospecting tool i've ever come across because i couldn't get you on a five minute sales call but i can get you 45 minutes on a podcast and what's the difference the only difference is that in the first scenario i'm asking you to give me money for something that i'm selling right off the bat in the other scenario, I'm inviting you to share what it is that you do to talk about your product and service for 30 to 45 minutes. And maybe if you like me, we'll do business a little bit down the road. But at least at this point in the second scenario, I have your contact information. We've had a conversation. I've decided whether I want to continue our conversation and send you information or not send you information. It's all about bringing value on a regular basis. Then if I pitch you something and it's something that's along your lines, I might get a sale, but at the very least, I've brought you value over and over and over again. You feel like you have to reciprocate at some point. It's like, you know, I, I always, I always tell people it's like Christmas at the office. When somebody comes up and gives you a present at Christmas, you want to almost punch them in the face sometimes because you didn't expect it and you feel <laughs> horrible because you don't have a gift for them, right? That's the power of reciprocation. If you're continuously bringing value to your customers, if you're continuously bringing value to the people that you interact with, they're going to reciprocate, whether it's referrals, whether it's information, whether whatever it is, they're going to think of you because you've brought them value. Let's just say that they're they're more inclined to reciprocate with you. Yes. It's not a, a quid pro quo, though. No, we don't want to get no. into a scenario like that. You know, sales is very analogous to dating, right? <clears throat> Mm -hmm. So think about what I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but think about how <laughs> it goes when you're when you're dating and think about whether that's applicable in the business sales construct. Right. Some people, they just rush for the sale. Hey, Henry, damn glad to meet you. You want to do business? You want to be my coaching client? Right. We've met for <laughs> five seconds. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Let me sign the contract right now. Yeah, that sure. never happens. But then you got the opposite side of the people who cultivate all of this stuff, but then they never ask for the sale. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> That's where I fall guilty of. Right? And I've, I've well, done that for a very I, long I, I time. Fall guilty of, I, I, I fall guilty of that sometimes too, is that that's just part of my, my, um, I don't know, my Catholic upbringing, I guess. Give, give, just, give, 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 and never... Well, you just keep your head down, nose to the grindstone. If you keep doing good work and providing value, uh, good things will come to you. So here I am at 61 years old. Can I say that that is actually true? Eh, for the most part. But what I will say is when I put my head on, on the pillow at night, I feel good about the stuff that I do. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and the only time that I've gone against character where I've been sort of that shark, it's always blown up in my face. Well, yeah, and, and, and well, here's here's my experience on, and and you know, I'm not at 61 yet. I'm, I'm going to be 38 here, uh, but you know, my my experience has been if if I take the leap and every once in a while, just ask the question. Hey, I, I need help. I, I'm looking for a couple clients. Do you happen to know any? Like, it doesn't even have to be a would you sign on the dotted line question. Oftentimes, it's just the I'm in need of a little bit of help. Who do you you know? Is there anybody you can help me with? If I brought enough value, then that question doesn't get bombed on that question tends to be like yeah you know what actually i do i got this person who might interest you and it may do something it may not but the 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 fact that i asked i think that's the part where you know for for me in the past has always been the issue is i fail to ask either i'm scared i feel awkward about asking or whatever it is i don't make that ask but that's a that's another classic entrepreneurial trait they left cubicle world. They think they're the masters of the universe. Even when they did the face plan on the sidewalk, they dusted themselves off. And again, they're back to being the master of the universe. They don't want to ask. They don't want to ask for help. They're going to grind through it. They're going to power through and figure this out, even if it kills them. Right. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to, there are easier, more elegant ways to go about doing it. You know, Anything that you do in your business that you don't want to do, that you think is your Achilles heel. So, for instance, my wife runs a, a business in Manhattan, picture framing business, 50-year-old family-owned business. She hates asking for money from clients. So, I do actually do as a little side hustle her collections for her. You know, I sue people. I take them to small claims court. And she'll say, be <laughs> nice to these people. These are my good customers. It's like, they haven't paid you in four months. If this is what a good customer looks like, show me a crummy one, right? Seriously. You're not the bad guy here. They owe you money. But I'll they the feel guy. like the bad guy. Yeah, but you feel like the bad guy. Well, that's a, that's another parable that I talked about where I say you can't, as a, especially as a solopreneur, this is probably germane for your audience. And, and it's a little phrase I use. I said, you can't wear the gray hat. So what does that mean? So you're trying to sell somebody, sell somebody, sell somebody. You're wearing the white hat, right? Everything's kumbaya. You're trying to sell them, right? You finally, you sell them. You're a little too generous with terms, which is what people do. And then now here it is 60, 90 days later and they haven't paid you and you've delivered real value to them. So now what do you do? You're going to put the black hat on and go and say, hey, I'm going to have to sue you. Where's my money? I'm mm. sure there's listeners out there who have run into that scenario. Wear right? the gray hat. Right? Where they're trying to wear the gray hat. It's very very, very hard to do. My suggestion to people is just don't be a bank, right? I said it on another podcast. It's like, it's like, if you want to be a bank, be a banker. Otherwise, if, if it's a choice between booking a sale for someone and giving them term generous terms or losing out because you didn't give them terms, you said, no, it's cash and carry, or you got to give me a deposit or whatever. Ask yourself, which is a better scenario? Do you hope I'm going to, I'm going to do the deal and hope I get paid, right? I have a t-shirt. I'm not wearing it now. It says hope is not a plan, right? <laughs> one, I, one I wear all the time. It's actually like the headshot that I give out. Hope is not a plan. You're going to hope or you, or are you willing as an entrepreneur to say, you know what? I would love to book this deal, but these terms don't work for me. It's almost like, uh, lending family money oh, yeah. right don't you don't want to lend family money if think of it as a gift right if you're gonna lend family money you consider it gone if it comes back that's great 
But what are you going to do? You're going to kick them out? You're going to never talk to them again? <laughs> you, you know, if for what? 20 bucks, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever it is. Like think of it as a gift within family. And, and if you think of it as your business, and you I mean this is, this is your business. If you think of your clients as your family because you really like them and you care about them and they're your good clients, great. Don't lend them money. And, it's, and you won't have that issue. You won't come across the problem where you have to put on that black hat because you never put yourself in that situation. If you loan them something, then you just gifted it to them. If you think of it that way, you will never have any issues again. And just call it a gift, right? Right. I've had people, I've, bar I've borrowed and given plenty of money over the years to people. And if, if it's a gift, just call it a gift. Don't call it a loan and then never try to pay me back. The only thing that good that comes out of that is um they can never ask for it again if you want to get rid of them loan them some money uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well said that's called chutzpah if they come back around i know i owe you money from the last loan but can you loan me again it's like nah no. only one loan at a time that's all <laughs> we do one at a time and hopefully at that point you stick to your terms right right, <laughs> right. So what are the, what are some of the other really vexing problems for the for your audience for the solopreneur right we talked yeah. about money yeah we right? talked about money talked i, about I think sales and marketing with you know developing that book of business right and hiring yeah i think really the other one which is well, we talked about not loaning money to to friends how about not hiring friends Ooh, mm -hmm. or hiring family mm. yeah are you guys related Oh yeah, we're related. Absolutely. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> what are you trying to say? Nothing. 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 No, but Walking seriously, away from this uh, hiring is <laughs> this guy. Hiring is really tough for small businesses, right? It is. They don't. They don't have a process. Uh, they put too much factor on on money. They put sometimes too much factor on on skill. I had a client who was a who was a serial. Um, hire for the same position they kept trying to reorient this because they kept focusing on culture right well we want them to fit our company culture mm. really i thought you were hiring them to do a job for you right well that, that's yeah that's and we've we've fallen victim to that same type of scenario from time to time mm -hmm. um and it, it's good to have a good uh i guess principle and foundations of, of who your company is but the bottom line is you have a task that needs to get done on a regular basis. You have a, an objective that needs to be met, uh, your goals that are set. Uh, and if the person's not meeting the standards, sorry, you know, time's up. Uh, you didn't meet your end of the contract and it's time to go. And if you're, you know, in the employment sector, I think some of the biggest issues are our management issues. When we hire somebody, we think of them closer as, as family, right? Now we're thinking, well, you know, they have kids or they have rent to pay or they have, you know, all, all of a sudden their burdens become your burdens and you let that be what takes you down, right? All of a sudden you have somebody staying on that probably shouldn't be on or maybe somebody doing a task that they're not suited really to do. And as a solopreneur is not understanding how to manage people, not understanding how to run your business, they become essentially cancers to your business because they're not doing the objective that you hired them to do. Yeah, a, a, a bad hire is bad for everybody. It's bad for you because you spent some time and resources and assets and you hired the wrong person. It's bad for them because like you said, yeah, we're, we, 
they have families, they have children. I've only fired one person in my entire life in 30 something years of business. And I still remember how painful that was. Um, it's tough. So you, you want to get it right. You want to build a process, even knowing that there's a chance that you're, that you're going to get it wrong. Right. But let's try to increase the odds a little bit by building a plan around it, trying to come up with some parameters uh, that we can live with, right? It isn't going to be perfect. But instead of just, yeah, my buddy's cousin does this, you should go talk to him, having one conversation over lunch and then hiring him. And I know of tons of stories of people who have done that. Let's try to be maybe a slightly more diligent process. Mm -hmm. It's really, really all I'm, I'm saying there is because a bad hire, like you said, it's a cancer. It can destroy your company because I've seen it, right? So how, how do we know we've made a bad hire? Like what are some, some keys that we could probably look at or things that we can identify um, that can kind of point us in a direction where like, hey, this is a, you see these types of things. Maybe you should consider, you know, acts, red flags. Yeah. Well, um, the ability to, execute their job description. I'm assuming that you created a job description, right? Of course. Um, yeah. Show up on time. Yeah. Show up. <laughs> Believe me, the, the, the girl that I fired had her job description was she was a receptionist was show up on time. And three out of the first eight days, she was late. And mm-hmm. the reason she had to show up on time is because we get deliveries in New York city at eight 30 in the morning. And if the UPS guy slaps a label on the door, it's hell to pay. We got to go all over the neighborhood finding our stuff. Cause we got stuff coming in every single day. Mm. So that was it. There was just one simple thing and she couldn't manage that. Hire mm. slowly fire quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. Hit right? those red flags. Same thing goes with when you onboard customers, if they're not working out, right. I know people bristle sometimes when I say fire your customers, but sometimes that's addition by subtraction because, you know, everything fits Pareto. Everything's 80, 20, right? Right. 80% of your, um, um, 80% of your top line is coming from 20% of your clients. You want those to be, to be the best clients they can be, but it's funny how the bottom 80% are using up 80% of your manpower and your resources. Yeah. Right? Your time that works up. Absolutely. Pretty much all the way across the board. But getting back to the hiring idea, you'll know within usually a couple of weeks, you'll know whether they're working out, right? You'll know whether they're doing their job. You'll know whether they fit, even if they're remote. And I've worked with a lot of, you know, remote um, located uh, businesses, you know, businesses that are running virtually around the world. Don't have a central office. How do we keep that in check? You know, by people's habits, are they on Slack? right? Are they on the Trello board? Are they on Asana? Whatever it is that you're using to run your company, right? What is the quality of work that you're getting from them, mm. right? And resist the temptation to make allowances for sub-performers because of all of the trouble you went through to hire them in the first place. Well, Henry, I invested so much time bringing this person in, but they're not right. So are they going to get righter by giving them more time? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, most cases. Nope. There are exceptions, of course, to prove the rule. But most of the time, no. What is the old saying? Something like when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. No, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And there are exceptions. There are people that 
because you did a poor job. Again, now we're going back to the introspective entrepreneur who say, what did I do wrong? Right. I must have done something wrong when I brought this person in. And sometimes that does happen. Right. The people came in and it's like you didn't create an SOP. You were fuzzy about your job description. You hired the guy on Shark Tank that that had a crummy business idea, but you really liked the person. But mm. then you squandered it. Right. You brought them in. I hired the guy. But then I squandered it because I expected him to know everything by osmosis. But yeah. He never worked in my business before. He doesn't know and what I'm doing. Time to teach him. Yep. Yeah. So, so there's that. You're, you're absolutely right. Henry, man, I can't believe 40 minutes has gone by already. I've had such a Where blast talking with you today. Right? <laughs> Apparently, if you if you love what you're doing, time just flies by. Uh, ladies and gents, there is way more of Henry to, to, to go around in a one podcast. Check him out on Instagram. Uh, 100% uh, honesty. He doesn't uh, run his Instagram very much, but uh, there's a lot more information on his website. So go check that out. Yeah, you have to go to an old school, stodgy old website. Yes. Yeah, dasknowledge.com. And uh, check out his uh, his book, FQ, Financial Intelligence. Increase that, I promise, just understanding some of, the, some of these core concepts. And it's like anything else in life. If you can name the, uh, the thing that you're trying to avoid, right? I, I'm a, you know what? Every time I feel that way, I'm... I don't want what, what do I want to go with this. I don't want to work out. I'm being lazy. I don't I want to eat. I'm, I'm being a snack or whatever. Once you can identify it, name it, you can decide whether you want to change it. And it's the same with any of these financial habits. It's the same with any of these uh, things that you do in your business. If you can identify it, if you can see, if you can have somebody uh, show you what you're doing through a book, through a podcast, through a discussion, like that's the point where you can make a change. So Henry, thank you very much for being on the program. Thank you, guys. It was uh, my pleasure. All right, James. We're going to do something a little bit different. You're going to play the outro as the intro? <laughs> Heck yeah. All right, dude. So all we'll right. come back and we'll do the business bros, all right? Let's do it at the end. Hit it, him. Shut, Shut up, up and sit down. down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros! <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I have standards. Then. <laughs> there are things and I will. And you have exceeded them. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. We'll catch you guys on Monday. Peace. 